Hey, hi! Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is David Desmalchin, an actor you may know from his roles in the Marvel Ant-Man movies, or from his appearances in Denis Villeneuve's Prisoners, or Blade Runner 2049, or maybe The Belko Experiment, Bird Box, or Relaxer. He also wrote and starred in the independent dramas Animals and All Creatures Here Below, and this Friday you can see him opposite Idris Elba, Margot Robbie, and Daniel Melchior in The Suicide Squad, which is kind of a big deal. This episode of the show is a little different. David's shooting a movie in Berlin right now, and the way things came together, I wasn't able to get his pick until we actually started recording. It's happened a couple of times in the past, but I've always been able to wing it. I've seen a lot of movies. But for the very first time, a guest picked a movie I hadn't seen. David went with Empedagor, a 2019 horror film from Indonesian filmmaker Joko Anwar, starring Tara Basro as a young woman who returns to the village of her birth with a friend to fix up an old house, only to discover something truly terrible is happening all around them. I'd seen a couple of Anwar's other films, but not this one, so you're about to hear the first episode of Someone Else's Movie, where I discover the film right along with the listener. Fortunately, I couldn't have had a more enthusiastic guide. Here we go. You know, I was thinking a fun movie to talk about is um, Impedigore. I don't know if you're familiar with that film. It's um, the Joko Anwar uh, Indonesian horror film that came out in 2019. Have you seen it? I have not, um, but we can talk about it. Uh, what, what, feel, feel free to walk me through it. This will be a new interesting thing for us. It wasn't at TIFF, right? But- I discovered it thanks to Shudder, I think. It was, okay. or, or, or uh, Fangoria. I can't remember why I sought it out, but, you know, Anwar's films are so good, but I was just behind, I was behind the eight ball in discovering Jocko's work. And then I, and then I, I found it and I was like, oh my God. And that was, it's actually, even though that's one of his more recent films, it's, um, it was like my gateway drug into his filmmaking. Ah, okay. Yes. I've seen Satan's Slaves. That's why I know his name. I love uh, Satan's I love it. It's so great. Yeah. He's, um, what I know of his work is the joy. Like he has so much fun making these movies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like such, um, such a student of the genre. I think such a, like, you know, has such a passion for it the way that some of the contemporary, you know, artists that have been really like leaders in genre like Del Toro uh, have, but you could tell that Anwar has just got such a distinct voice too, and has no fear of creating utter chaos on screen. Like, like plot lines, can go non-linear um characters can get introduced you know early in the game and have no significance or late in the game and be intensely significant it's just like it's so fun watching uh his movies because i feel like i i'm so jaded and getting my expectations upended is such a pleasure for me you know yeah well that's that was my experience with satan slaves which is oh okay i have absolutely no idea where this is going from it it not where it's going from. It's, I have no idea where it's coming from or where it's going. It is rooted in family, but then all of a sudden it just decides it isn't. And that's fine. Yeah. Like it makes, he makes it all possible. Del Toro is a really good point of comparison. That's an artist who, once he has your trust, once you know he's got a plan, it's yeah. much, much easier to adjust to his tone. I, I remember people complaining about Crimson Peak and it's like, no, no, it, 
it knows exactly what it's doing. You just have to oh, assume that I it's going to get Crimson there. Peak. Yeah, 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 it does. It knows exactly what it wants to be. And it's not following the, um, it, it, he's such a mold breaker. And it's why it's so important to have filmmakers like him supported by studios because he can take, you know, established tropes and, and all the things we love about film, especially genre film, and then, you know, break all the patterns. And um, I think Crimson Peak's a perfect example of that. And yet at the same time, if you're a lover of classic hammer, et cetera, like, you know, we are, you get such a kick and a joy out of it, you know? Um, so I think that looking at the films like in Pettigore, Satan's slaves. Um, I don't know. There's just Joko's just su such a daring director. And, and I don't know like his story or how it all his career came to be. I'm just assuming this is somebody from the beginning who just took like such huge swings and risks and just went for it, you know? Yeah. Well, he's um, grew up watching Kung Fu and horror. I basically just reading Wikipedia. My apologies. Uh, Grew up watching Kung Fu and horror films uh, as a child in Medan, spent a year in the United States as an exchange student in West Virginia. Uh, no way. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah. Wanted to study filmmaking, but didn't because he instead enrolled at the Bandung Institute of Technology to study aeronautical engineering and then became wow. a journalist and film critic in Jakarta. So oh my God, that is an incredible career path. And so it's no wonder that the, his stories too are layered with so much social commentary so much um you know there's a lot of socio-political uh question wrangling that goes on in in his stories and lots of really wonderful explorations i think of like the dark places and black magic but in in its connectivity to um family like class realities and lineage class um you know, genetics. Um, I think um, the left behind people, you get a lot of that in his films. I think people that are, you know, have been, have, have been left behind. Um, you know, you look at like a really creepy orphanage setting and you're like, oh man, I don't know. He's just, he's super talented. I really hope, um, I hope maybe he'll stumble across this, uh, interview someday and then be like, oh, I'm going to make a movie in West Virginia about the horrors I saw there and I'm going to cast David Desmalchin in it. I mean, there must be a connection to American cinema in all, all horror, right, these days. I, I'm trying to figure out how to say that without denying the traditions of horror everywhere else. But, you know, right, American right, right, horror right. cinema is like the defining, uh, it's the language, it's the spoken language that everybody connects to. It was hammer horror in the sixties. And then it was psychological thrillers. And now it is. Yeah. I yeah, want yeah. To make I, movies. Think, I think the, 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 the Americans did the, the Germans really kicked it off. Hmm, and then the Americans took the baton with universal. And then the British really clobbered it for a couple decades. And then the Americans reclaimed it with this, you know, just neon bloodlit, you know, and the, and yeah, all throughout, this is like you're saying, we're not to deny the huge influence of Italian cinema. I mean, for goodness sake, Brazilian cinema, you get people like um, Coffin Joe, the Mexican incredible right. filmmakers, but, and Giallo, of course, is so huge and, and hugely influential on what came in the 80s with all the slasher films, which I love. I'm a huge geek for slasher. I'm a huge geek for 
you know, really aggressive, um, intense horror. Texas Chainsaw is one of my favorites of all time. But then things just really went to, I feel like these incredible Asian filmmakers from a lot of different countries in the 90s into 2000s, early aughts, really went to another place with getting under our skin when it comes to our fears of death, as opposed to all the other kind of psychological exercises that I think we were going through um, with slasher or with, you know, gore porn or whatever. And, and now we're at this moment and it, and it, it's been in the last 10 or so years and Del Toro and Peel and a bunch of other incredible artists and filmmakers have started this renaissance of horror. And what's so wonderful about it, if you think about it, there's representatives from almost every continent that are making significant and huge contributions to it. It's this international kind of renaissance where elevated horror is really happening in a, in a fantastic way. And I think that, um, it's fun for me to watch uh, films like Impetigore, Queen of Black Magic, or Satan Slaves because they are elevated. They are really smart, but man, they're batshit, balls to the wall, <laughs> um, gory, supernaturally horrific, not afraid to hurt all of the things that you're not supposed to hurt in horror, like kids and animals and all that good stuff. Like, it's just, it's so great, man. Yeah. I think, oh, the, your mention of the Asian horror wave. That's, I think that's the point where, yeah, it really did. It pivoted from slashers to death not being the worst thing that can happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. thinking of like Kurosawa's Cure or Pulse, where there's yeah. just so much and the grudge Punishment. too. And there's, yeah, there's so oh. much else going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's up to the individual to not necessarily survive it, but just endure it and hope that it goes away. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I realized I, I confused Impetigore with another of his films. Gundala did play at TIFF at Midnight Madness in 2019. Ah, that's a film of his I have not seen. Ah. I will go check it out. It is a superhero film. Um, Oh! And it's... I don't know Gundala. I mean, I know of it. I haven't haven't watched it yet. It's based on, I think, a... um, a comic or something. I can't remember, but I've heard of it. I've been meaning to seek it out. Is it, is it in the horror like adjacent space or is well, it no, just that's, standalone? It's a straight up. Uh, comic that's what's book yeah. That's what's so odd about it. I mean, it is his film very much. It feels a lot like his energy, but it is a straight superhero movie. I mean, theoretically you could take a family to see it. Wow. Theoretically. Okay. All right. Uh, well, maybe yeah. I'll let my kids uh, see it. Um, Cause I'm certainly not going to let them watch Satan slaves or um, in Pettigore. <laughs> or <laughs> I think having the other stuff of his I've seen. Yeah, I think having gore in the title is a pretty red flag there. Like literally yeah. a red flag to people. So but you haven't seen it yet. I have not, no. So this yeah, is fascinating to me. So fantastic. I want to give the credit to Shudder. It was either Shudder or through um can, God, we need to look it up and see if it's on Shutter or if it was on Shutter. It was either I, I really do think it was through Shutter, but I know Fangoria um repped it and 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 was giving it attention. And and I'm a big all of my discoveries in horror since I was a kid have been hugely influenced by Fango. But now in the last two years, I've been um probably a daily Shutter watcher. So I just make a lot of discoveries on 
shutter that I just, I love, but um, yeah, it in Pettigore, you know, there's some definite like connectivity and some connective tissue to um, his other films that you've seen, but it's really something about it to me that connected personally. I'm a kid who grew up in like a rural, not rural, uh, suburban, but on the edge of rural community in Kansas. Mm -hmm. So I was on the very most Southern suburb of Kansas city, which, you know, two blocks from me just turned into farmland back in the eighties when I was a kid. And, um, and then I went away to the big city. Uh, I went to Chicago to study acting and, and then my, you know, became a theater actor and blah, blah, blah. My career, you know, I never really went home except for visits, obviously to see family and, you know, do things back in KC. And I eventually went back there to make a movie and going back home and really taking off the rose glasses and, and looking as contemplatively as you can at your childhood, your hometown, your family. It's, it's, it's filled with, I hope for, for most people, like, wonderful pockets of joy and, and discovery and bliss, but there is, there was for me just, you know, some real boils that had to be lanced of just, uh, darkness and, uh, really, you know, painful stuff and horror. Um, and, and then I watched this film, which is this, you know, these, these, this, this girl works in, she's like a toll booth operator. And there's really creepy, wonderful sequences at the beginning when you think, you know, what the film's about it. She basically, um, kind of follows these breadcrumbs that lead her to this, this house that she's supposedly inherited. Um, that's way out in the country where, you know, her roots stem from and kind of the plan is like she and her friend who've been trying to start their own business they're going to go and find this old house and clean it up and sell it and make a profit and get out of all the debt that they're in and um when they get to the village um you know from from whence her people came um she uncovers just some really like you know ed gein meets um um Rosemary's baby kind of shit that's just grow grody and terrifying and um and yeah then the the gloves come off and and uh the movie's bonkers it's so great <laughs> yeah and that does sound like something that would resonate with you as you've just described your upbringing right like you you get out of a place and come back and find out the place still wants to kill you that sounds like this movie yeah 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 and and there's a whole ritual around in this film about you know, uh, child abuse and, um, you know, um, just really, really horrible, um, acts that people will do, especially uh, uneducated people in their belief that it will solve their problems, that it will, um, you know, bring them salvation. And we see that, in, you know, that that's been really hard in the United States in the last couple of years, you see how our, you know, disservice to people's education in our country has led to the absurdity of the horror that we've kind of been living in, in the last couple of years, you know, and it seems to be only getting more prominent. And I'm like, oh my God. Um, so yeah, dude, you gotta, you got, I mean, 
people getting their skin peeled off. <laughs> like we're talking like some brutal spirits. Um, it's there's like there's like puppets made out of dead kids' body parts. You you got anybody out there who's like who, who and anybody who's turned off by what I'm saying, but who loves good movies and loves a really great story and really by the way the actors i mean i know he he uses and, re, and reuses a lot of the same talent they're so freaking good like they're i i'm so mesmerized by the performances that he gets out of um the actors that he gets in his films but the performance in this oh my god so good Oh yeah, I just noticed Tara Basro is the lead in Satan Slaves as well. She's the lead in Impedigo oh, as well. She's so good, dude. <laughs> she's awesome. I hope she hears this too and knows she has very big fans over here. Well, I think it is I say over here, but I'm not even in the United States right now. I'm in Berlin, Germany, making another horror movie. I'm in oh. Berlin. Yes. It's um seven twenty at in the PM here. Um I'm making a Dracula picture in Berlin, Germany. How cool is that? How many times in my life will I get to say I'm in Berlin making a movie about Dracula? Uh, yeah, that's kind of weird. That's um, that is going on the watch list. Uh, who's who are you working with? What is what's the project? Um, Andre Andre Overdahl. Are you familiar with Andre? Of course, yes. Yeah, Troll Hunter. So Andre. And... Yeah, and and speaking of Del Toro, I mean Andre is. Um, been mentored by by del toro and and del toro produced or oversaw i know uh scary stories which i love but troll hunter autopsy of jane doe scary stories to tell in the dark andre's a beautiful person but he's also just a phenomenal talent and he loves horror and he's like a a great student of horror and i um i'm a lifelong fan of the book dracula mm-hmm. by oh there's my son. Um, I'm a lifelong fan of Bram Stoker's Dracula. And there's a chapter in the book about the Demeter, which is the cargo ship that carries Dracula's belongings and Dracula himself, um, basically from, you Carpathia know, to London, right? Like it arrives, it arrives with London. all the rest. That's right. With, with one crew member remaining, the captain. Lashed to That's the wheel, right. if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, yes, exactly. Oh, I love that. We're making that movie right now. It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> That's a, okay. That could, I mean, that could work. That's a part of the story that never makes it into the movie adaptations. It's own. It's its own story. I mean, it's its own film, and it's um, the script is so good, man, and Andre's vision is so good, and. I can't say very much about it. Obviously, I don't even know if I'm supposed to talk about it at all. But I just, I can just say, dude, I cannot wait for people to see this this movie. It's like, um, and for me, it's just, it's, I've been on a, a, a roll of just getting to work with filmmakers who I love so much, and then be a part of properties that are inspired by, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I should say films that are inspired by properties that I adore from Dune to Suicide Squad, you name it, the, all the Ant-Man stuff that I've gotten to do with Peyton and so many other things. It's just, it's, it's, it's like spoiled with ri- these riches, but Dracula is, you ask anyone who knows me, like very important to me, very important to me. And um, getting to, to be a part of telling this story 
And I and and here's what I'll say about it that I think I they wouldn't mind me saying. It's just my opinion, but I have I'm a fan of so many different Dracula movies. I love Coppola's. I love all the way back. I mean, I think Jack Palance is really a scary Dracula. I think yeah. that um Christopher Lee's done some of the best Dracula work we'll ever see. I'm a huge fan of watching Lugosi, but um it has been a minute, if ever that we've seen a truly scary Dracula picture. I think that Dracula isn't necessarily a scary monster. I think he's a freaking cool monster that has all these wonderful things about him that people love. But I don't think of Dracula as a scary monster. And I believe Andre is going to make the first truly terrifying Dracula picture in a very long time. Oh God, I have so many questions I want to ask that I'm not going to because I don't want to spoil it for myself. Uh, there is so much meat in the concept of Stoker's Dracula and the idea of an infectious evil. I mean, obviously it's more, more relevant than ever now. Yeah, 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 for sure. But it's like big, big issues, you know, dealing with uh, a lot of existential questions, I think, you know, that you get to work with when you're thinking about vampirism and when you're thinking about Dracula in particular and love. It's a very romantic, I mean, it's a baroque, romantic, you know, gothic novel the the novel i i adore i think it's just a beautiful i love reading it i read it every so often i've had my own pitches i've tried to put together as far as like in fact i wanted to pitch the demeter i always said oh my god this is aliens on a boat in 1897 that was always my pitch i was like i want to take demeter out and i was talking to my friend um um ryan turk from blumhouse when i was i was trying to spitball some ideas at him and i and i told him that i had this idea of telling the story of the demeter and he goes dude it 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 exists it's an incredible script and it's going to be made and sure enough here we are now and i happen to get to be in the film amblin is um producing it and it's in the right hands um but i i'm working uh i don't know if you ever remember the or ever learned or studied about varney who preceded dracula um I'm working on putting, I've put together, I've been working for the last like two years with some people I love over at Legacy um, Effects House. Um, we put together something inspired by Varney, which I cannot wait um, to make. So oh. as you can tell, I am deeply in, in, in and, and, and in, um, in the movies that we discussed today, not vampirism for sure, but definitely mm. a lot of blood splattering all over the fucking place. Uh, <laughs> it is... His movies are bloody. Yeah, well, Satan Slaves, which I was surprised after I saw it to find out that it's a remake of an 80s movie, although that kind of explains the setting and a bunch of other things. The, sure, the, sure, sure. The joy of that movie is watching someone filter ancient concepts through a personal lens. And it yeah. sounds like Empedagor does the same thing. So, I mean, by the time this episode comes out, I will have watched it, I promise you. But um, yeah, the attraction of something like that along the lines of what he's done with his other films. I mean, yeah, that, that sounds, it sounds simple and doable. And based on what you've said with puppets of uh, native people, it skyrockets off into something else entirely. It does. And, um, and I just want, um, you know, your listeners to make the discovery because I feel like, again, yeah, the, the horror may be too much if you're if you get scared easily or if that's if that's not your cup of tea, I get it. But I feel like you should give it a chance because I think this is also someone who's going to be just continuing to turn in some really I mean, it, we always underestimate 
I think it, when looking at it from the art point of view, um, the power and importance of entertaining people as well. And again, I think, I think I find the films highly entertaining, even if they're incredibly unnerving, you know, like really get under your skin, but I like that sensation. I don't mind it. I like, I think that's what's drawn me like a moth to the flame my whole life to, um, to horror. And, um, I get a total rush out of it. I get a total charge and kick out of it, but I also, um, I'm as scared of death as everybody else is. And we can try and cloak ourselves in, you know, whatever kind of opium we want, but there's at the end of the day, it still scares the shit out of all of us. Ask anybody who's got a car, you know, speeding towards them or a man running at them with an ax. I don't care what they believe they're going to be scared. So I don't know. I think, I think his movies really go into the good dark places. You guys got to check it out. Yeah. That's and what I love too. Yes. That's what I love about this stuff too. I want to be troubled. I want to be disturbed. I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of one of those. Movies. My thanks so, to David Dismulchin, yeah. you, who you, you can see as Polka Dot Man in the Suicide Squad this of, Friday, August 6th. Love, there you you go. should also keep an eye out for the comic book he writes, Count Crowley, Reluctant Midnight Monster Hunter. The first volume is available in a trade paperback from Dark Horse Comics, but the second volume is coming soon after some time off for COVID. It's a fun, weird monster comic. You should check it out. And thanks also to Monique Gonzalez. She knows what she did. You can find David on Twitter at Desmalchin, and you can find Impetigore streaming on Shudder wherever Shudder is. It's also available on Apple TV and Google Play, but really, subscribe to Shudder. It's not expensive, and there's a lot of good stuff. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner, and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com, where I'm hosting the Now What podcast, It's Weekly Now, every Friday. And I write the Now streaming newsletter that comes out every Saturday. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at SomeoneElsesMovie.com. Our theme song is by the last year. If you like it or the show in general, please say so. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you've been enjoying us. Every little bit helps. It truly does. And check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network while you're there. The latest episode of The Reheat has an especially timely look back at the whole Benefer thing. That's fun. Stay home. Watch movies. Wear a mask if you go out. Get your shot if you can. I'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>